Welcome to Stuck in My Mind Podcast, the show where we dive into the mind of a regular guy on his road to self-discovery. You'll hear everyday people just like you share the latest topics, personal stories, and things they've learned along the way. And now, please welcome your host, Wise. And welcome to another episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E-Wise. And um, as always, let me start off by thanking all the essential workers out there. God bless you. Be safe. And um, again, anyone who's sick out there, you're in my prayers. Get well soon. So I'm going to have a special guest today. Um, I've been talking about him for the past couple of episodes. My man, Leonardo Coelho, is on the show today. And he'll discuss what's going on in his district and um, many other topics. So I'm looking forward to that. All right, so let's just jump right into it. An article in the New York Post titled, Georgia Department of Health Slammed for Misleading Corona Data, states the Georgia Department of Public Health has come under fire for sharing erroneous data that suggests the number of confirmed corona cases decreasing, providing flattening curve models that Governor Brian Kemp used to justify the Peach State's reopening according to a report. A recently posted bar chart on the agency's website showed that the new confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the five counties with the most infections had dropped each day over two weeks, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported. But there was no downward trend as cases have held steady or dropped slightly during that time period. And experts agree that in those counties, the cases were flat when the state began reopening last month, according to the newspaper. Our mission failed. We apologize. It is fixed. Candace Bruce of the spokes, a spokeswoman for the governor said in a tweet after DPH changed his graph money and made a flood of criticism and mockery. DPH data issues in recent weeks sparked confusion over whether deaths from the pandemic had topped 1,000. There are now more than 1,490. The agency incorrectly posted at least twice that children have died. Some of the errors were made after the agency put days in the wrong order, the Journal-Constitution reported. It's just cuckoo state rep Scott Holcomb said, a Democrat from Atlanta, who sent the letter outlining his concerns for the governor's office Monday, told the paper, the bar chart that sparked the latest controversy was changed shortly afterward. I don't know how anyone can defend this graph as not being misleading. I really don't, Holcomb said. A DPH rep told the paper that the chart was incorrect because of error in how it sorted dates. A Kemp aide told Holcomb that a software vendor caused the problem, the lawmaker said. Broach said the governor's office does not dictate what DPH publishes. We are not selecting data and telling them how to portray it. Although we do provide information about constituent complaints, check it for accuracy and push them to provide more information if it is possible to do so, the spokesman said. But some worry the data is being portrayed in a way that favors the governor's early e easing of restrictions. Another graph on DPH's page has led people to believe cases were dropping dramatically, even though lo lower numbers were due to lag in data collection. I have a hard time understanding how this happens without it being deliberated. State Representative Jasmine Clark, a Democrat who has a doctorate in microbiology and molecular genetics from Emory University, told the paper. Literally nowhere ever in any type of statistics would that be acceptable, she added. So it seems like the state of Georgia was using some misleading statistics that might have um, influenced the governor in reopening the state earlier than what some people wanted. And I get it. Hey, I want to go back to normal. My family sure as hell wants to go back to normal. I'm sure they're tired of me being in the house all day. Only time could tell. We're going to have to see within the next couple of weeks how the numbers in Georgia go. And if they rise a lot, then we know it was a mistake and the governor needs to suck it up and, and take blame. And if it works and people and, the, and it starts declining and people are not reporting it as much, then, hey, the governor needs to be patted on the back for doing a great job. I hope and pray that he was right at, in opening the way he did. Me personally, I still believe he should have opened it up in phases. But, hey, what do I know? I don't run a government. And on that note, let's take a quick break and I'll be right back. All right, so welcome back. 
Okay, so I've been talking about this man for the last few episodes now, and it's my honor to actually have him on the podcast today. So everybody, please give a nice welcome to my man, Leonardo Coelho, running for city councilman in the Bronx, District 16. So Leonardo, let's go, brother. What's up, brother? How you feeling? Thank you for um, having me on. I appreciate the um, the great introduction and everything, man. It, it, it really is my honor to be on here with you, brother. Now, well, listen, man. Once I found out you was running for office, you know, I, I, I threw my support behind you 100% because we've known each other for quite some time now. And mm-hmm. I, and saying like like I always like I always tout that you know what I'm saying you're a great man you're a man for the community I'm saying like you're an educator and that's mm-hmm. that's that's where it kind of like when you told me you was running for office it kind of threw me off because I know you're all about helping kids and and education so I just want to know what made you do the switch what made you go into politics well man like you said I've 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 got about over ten years working in the education system. Um, I've had over 15 years working in the nonprofit community sector and the community-based organizations. Um, and it's just felt that it's time for me to take all the knowledge that I've kind of gathered over the years, the, the, um, the understanding that I have of the community and the people that are in the community. Um, and just bottle and put that together, and 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 it's time for me to have a big, a larger impact. You know, um, you know, we're always constantly looking around for, you know, political leaders that understand the community and 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 know what you know the 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 people in the community are, are going through. Um, so if you can't find them, man, then you know you got to step up and and be that person. So I think it's time for me to take on that. That responsibility now, bro. Man, and and I commend you because um, you're a single father, um, and mm-hmm. you like like I we said you're you're, you're working the education system, and I know you're a busy man and you got so many things going on, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's just it just I kind it inspires me to see a brother like you do such great things like you know what I'm gonna step up for my community and do what I have to do and I commend you for that again, brother, because. Not many, not many people will do that. It's a, let me tell you, bro. It's a, it's a very big, big commitment, man. It's not something that I tell people to just kind of, you know, just make, make an overnight decision and stuff. It's, it was actually something that I had to sit down with my family and talk to them about. I had to talk to my, you know, my, my significant other, talk to her about, you know, talk to my kids about, because when, when somebody is running for office, um, everybody that they love and care for is like kind of like open season with them and stuff, you know? And so I had to really kind of get the blessings from my mother and all my family and my everybody um, to let them know that I, I was doing this and, and that, that I had my, their support. And they all were like, you know, on the same page. It was like, yeah, man, we know who you are. You know, we know that you're going to go in there and do a good job and be about the community. And so we're, we're ready to support you. We're ready to do whatever we need to do for you and stuff. So that was without their, their support, man, I don't know if I would have, would have really done it because at the end of the day, it's, it's, I'm not, I have to be uh, understanding of the, of the people that are around me that care and love about me and know that they're going to be going through this as well too. Um, it is, it was a bit of a perfect storm though, because my, 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 my boys are a little older, you know, they're teenagers now. And so, um, they're, they're kind of shielded a little bit where they're not in those younger years where it would be so impactful, but, you know, they was, they was encouraged by it. They, they've known me all their lives to be um, a community person, a person about the people. So for them, it was like the natural progression. It was like, okay, cool. Dad, go make it happen. Yeah. So it's like I said, it surprised me when you told me you was running for office, but again, it's like, it's amazing because I know how, how you are. And I know you're gonna do great things for the community, and but um also, can you tell me how the how the community is dealing with the COVID nineteen in your area? Man, bro, I'm in I'm in the South Bronx, man, and so you know you can see the news all all the time, and you know the South Bronx is one of the hardest hit communities here uh, when it comes to COVID. Um, I mean, everybody's acting like they're surprised why um, our community here in the South Bronx is being hit, but it's like I'm almost uh, surprised how people are acting like, oh, we didn't know that 
there was poor people there. Oh, we didn't know that there, there's poor, there's a poor education system there. Oh, we didn't know that um, they have poor health options there. Oh, we didn't know, like, like it's just amazing how so a lot of these um, uh, political people now are, are so astounded that, you know, oh my God, like, you know, this, this is really happening in these communities and that's why COVID has kind of been the perfect storm. You know, us here in this community, there's no social, you know, distancing hardly. You know, a lot of our poor families live, you know, eight, ten in a, in, a, in a two bedroom apartment and stuff. You know, and um, so if somebody goes out, they get sick. You know, the family's gonna get sick. You know, the other thing that people they didn't understand that the Bronx is what I consider the blue collar borough. You know, most of the 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 essential workers in the entire city come from the borough of the Bronx. So all of those people that clean your offices downtown, all of those that clean your, your hotels, that work in the nice restaurants that you like to go to and all of those places. All of those people really come from the Bronx. And so, um, you know, these are the essential workers now that really can't really uh, just sit at home and, and work remotely because if not, they're, 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 their bills won't get paid and stuff. So it, it's, this has been kind of a perfect storm for the, um, for the South Bronx, man. And we're really going to need some good leadership to get out of this. Yeah, because um, from what people are saying, the Blasio is not really stepping up to the job. And um, I'm listen, I, I'm originally from Brooklyn. I live in PA now, but mm -hmm. I still got a lot of family and friends out there. And from what they tell me is that he's not doing a real good job over there. You know, I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I have to admit, you know, I mean, the pandemic is something that nobody was prepared for, right? Nobody ever. In their in, imagine in their lifetime that something like this will happen, right? What's closest thing was the Spanish flu, and that was like over 100 years ago or so, right? Yeah. Um, and but I think the problem was that people like de Blasio were making decisions or the timing of their decisions based on other things besides the public health, you know, and so I think. People were making decisions on the impact of the economy. They was making an impact on, you know, what how it would impact their political career and all these other. So I think everybody, a lot of people, including De Blasio, there was a lot of hesitation on things that should have been done quicker. Um, it ultimately made sense for, in terms of public health, but I think a lot of people were taking other things into consideration. Take for example the school system. There's no way that it took so long. For the New York City Department of Education to close down their schools. There were schools like Success Academy that almost like two weeks before the DOE did it, they are they sent a memoir like, uh, yeah, we're closing schools down until we figure out what this is. It took too long. It took too long, you know, and, and nobody really had a reason why it took so long. Yeah, and, it, and it's been crazy because even up here in PA, because we have a lot of protests going on now in uh, Harrisburg. Because I get it, people want to go outside and they want to do all this other crazy stuff. But they're not realizing that, I'm saying, you're worried more about getting your hair done and nails done and not focusing on the real problem, which, which is people's health and well-being. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Mm -hmm. my, my, but my challenge is in places like that and those protests and people there, it's like they're making it seem like you have to pick between, you know, public health and public economics, right? Like the, the e e like commerce and stuff. When we don't, we don't have to make a choice between them, it, but a plan has to be put in place where, you know, stuff gets reopened in a way that is still good for public health. You know what I'm saying? So the plan, there is a plan in place. Like I give, you know, Cuomo some credit, you know, he, he and some folks of his, his medical advisors and all those folks of scientists, they came up with a plan like, okay, if you, if your county um, meets these seven criterias, you can begin to open up, you know, and New York City hasn't met a few of those criterias. And so they have, we haven't really opened up. And so I, I think that's a good way of going about it in both ways, still keeping public health in, 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 your, in mind, but also figuring out ways where we can get, you know, business open again. Yeah, of course. Listen, of course it's not going to be easy in a, in a place like New York City because everyone is really on top of each other. Whereas where I'm at, I'm saying there's spaces between me and my neighbor. We're not really on top of each other. Whereas mm -hmm. in New York City, you got people living on top of each other. And it's much more difficult to social distance, in a, and I, I think, in a city like that where it's basically everyone's on top of each other. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, Dr. Fauci has been one on a, on a, on a national level that has been giving some great advice. And he himself also said that the rollout is going to look different across the state. There's not going to be one uniform rollout plan. Yes, you're right. New York City has to look very much different than, you know, where you're at in, in PA. And so, but as long as everybody's is doing it in a, in a safe manner that is starting to build and bring back the economy, then I don't have a problem with. But I, I think some people are jumping the gun in some places as well, too. Oh, no. I, like, I, in Georgia, I actually, actually, I was talking about it earlier today where um, they were actually, they used statistics that were not accurate. And those statistics mm-hmm. were used to on the decision to open up the state. And come mm-hmm. to find out, they had mi- mixed something up and the numbers were off. So they, it was something about that. They hadn't even reached 1,000 deaths when in actuality they have over 1,490-something deaths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's stuff like that where people, I felt if you're going to open something up, open it in phases. Don't just come and open up or give everybody hair, the hair salons, the the barbershop. And in those situations is where people are on top of each other. That's a that's a job where you have to be real in close, close contact with your customer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas if a restaurant opens up and you just do curbside pickup, that's that's fine because you're not in the, you're not in an area and you know you don't really not really close to people like that. Mm-hmm. But it, when you order like nail salons and 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 beauty salons and all, there's no way. You're going to tell me that if someone likes talking or something and they're not wearing a mask and spit comes out, it's like, y'all people, you're not thinking. Some of these people are like, oh, I'm not going to wear no mask. And it, it just blows my mind. And, and you know what? It's a lot of young people I'm seeing also that they, they really, they, they don't like, they don't have a care in the world as far as what this pandemic is causing. Yeah, I mean, youth, you know, sometimes need to be a little more formal things. And you know how it always is. Youth always feel like they are. And we've been there like when we was young. Yeah, we was, you, yeah, you, you, always felt, you always felt like you was, you, you were Superman and nothing could, could harm you and stuff. And so, um, and then you start seeing reports about, oh, is this, you know, I remember a lot of early reports saying like, oh, this is just affecting um, senior citizens and, and if you're young, you don't have to worry about it. It's like the common cold and stuff. And now you look back and be like, what? Like, what were you guys talking about, man? Like, uh, some of the earlier reports were really, really, really out there, man. And, and and when you start to throw a lot of that misinformation out there, there, there tends to be a lot of confusion. And people attach their, you know, their, their, their thought process to whatever's convenient to them, you know? And that, that's where the challenge is, especially from a federal level. There's been so much confusion coming out of the White House. It's kind of ridiculous. And... You know, when you don't get that unified message from the most important place in the world, then then it's all going to be kind of chaos at that point. Well, yeah, well, because he he's he's more focused on on getting the economy back. He's not listening to his um, medical experts. He rather listen to listen to his economic people. So that's that's what that's what's going to happen. Is like he he's putting the 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 dollars and 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 cents ahead of the people. He's more worried about these businesses making all making money and and i get it there's small businesses over there that are suffering and and mom and pop businesses that are, are suffering i get that yes i understand but yet okay if that's the case then why are you giving these trillions of dollars to these big corporations that don't necessarily need it and and rewarding these these nursing home ceos with 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 bonuses and all this? it's just ridiculous on how we don't we don't worry about the little man and their business, but we focus more on big businesses. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I think the focus for our people coming out of this is thinking about government from the local level up. You know, unfortunately, you know, you know, black and brown communities tend to not put too much attention to local politics and just kind of get excited when there's something happening on a national level. But they need to understand that at a local level impacts you more than, than basically anything and stuff, you know? Uh, so it's really time for our people to really get focused on, okay, who are, who, who, who are my local officials and stuff? Like there's a, there's a great website that I send out to people and it says, it's called who represents me. And you put your address in there and 
It gives you everything from a local to a state to a federal level. Who are the people that represent you? Um, and then from there, you can now start to figure out, okay, you know, what, what, how do I hold them accountable for what I need in my community? And that's what I'm encouraging everybody to start to do, you know, hold the candidates and the people in, 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 in position accountable, you know, ask me questions, make, hold me accountable to things. Um, that's what everybody should be doing. And, and you're not, and you're not even in office yet. And you're wanting people to hold you accountable to see, look at what kind of leadership you're showing right there. Yeah. Cause I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not co coming in here to run for an office. Like the, the, the city council district that I'm running for, I'm, I live in, right? So, and I bought a house in, you know, over 15 years ago, I raised my two sons in, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Um, so hold me accountable because any decisions that I make are gonna actually impact my family as well too. So, so these are not decisions that I'm gonna be making just out of convenience and stuff like that. These things are important to me as well because Eventually, I'll be out of office, and whatever decisions and, and things are in place are going to affect me and my family as well, too. Okay, yeah, that, that, that's not, that makes a lot of sense to me. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of people. There's there's a lot of stuff that happens where where candidates move into a district six months before they're running for office, and then then they're, now they're technically a resident and they run for office and stuff, but. Mm, you just moved in here six months ago. Like, you don't really know about what do you, what do you know about the community? Yeah, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm saying you don't really know. You don't, you probably don't even know the the bodega store owner's name or whatever, or whatever, whoever whoever owns whatever shop down yeah, the street. Exactly. You don't know nobody, bro. And not only that, not as a matter of just knowing the people in the community, not growing up understanding what the community goes through. Like, I tell people all the time, oh, I grew up uptown. Like, I was born in, 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 in 1975. So that means that I saw everything. I saw, I saw, you know, the Reaganomics. I saw, you know, the, 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 the crack addiction. I saw, you know, the eight, you know, what happened in the eighties. I saw when they pulled all the social service programs out, there was no, you know, no, no after school program for kids. Then I got into the nineties where gentrification started. 2000 like i seen all of that bro like there's not and the, the scary thing is will that there's not a lot of people that are walking around right now that can say um that they lived through all that type of stuff you know what i'm saying and, and kind of are still here and, and functioning you know so <laughs> well yeah those, so those, people, those were some rough times back then man those were rough times bro there was rough times like yo they don't they, oh I remember the the Bronx in uptown, and you know people, oh, burning buildings, oh, burned listen, down brownstones. It was wild, bro. You you, you know I'm from East New York, Brooklyn, so it wasn't. Yeah. The, you know what I'm saying we had that's what we had was abandoned buildings, and and we was that's what we, that was our that was our playground was the abandoned buildings. So yeah. I, I know like, I know what I know what it is to come from a hood where now now when I go back I'm like what the hell. And you see yeah, all these totally new houses different. up, and all these, and all this, these, these changes is like, what, what is, yeah. what is this? <laughs> and I, and I, I went through gentrification <coughs> in Harlem, right? Because I, I was kind of born and raised in Harlem, and and um, hold on, sorry, let me put that on. Oh, uh, I was born and raised in Harlem, <clears throat> but I went to high school at Kennedy in the Bronx, and I was always in the Bronx <clears throat> as well too. So, but in Harlem, gentrification came. And it just took over, bro. Like it was like one minute there was a Starbucks on the corner. Next thing you know, it was crazy. You know, like gentrification just kind of steamrolled over, and a lot of people were displaced, bro. A lot of people just, a lot of people, brown, black and brown people didn't didn't prosper from that. You know, like don't get us wrong. Like we we wanted the community to get better. We wanted to see business come in and invest and everything but we didn't want to be left out of it oh no we, we, so, we wanted a piece of the pie of course we, yeah exactly we wanted a piece of the pie and so but that thing that, that wave came so quick in harlem that um i think the elected officials the community and folks just didn't know how to just carve out their piece and so now in the bronx you know justification starting to roll up it's, it started at the you know lower south bronx started to move up and you know i really feel like Elected officials that have been through that, they're the only, they're the only ones that are going to know how to understand, yo, my community needs this a, a part of this. If a new building goes up, I need 60% 60, 60 of that, of those apartments, to go to people that are living um, under, under at least 
at the at the poverty level or under the poverty level, and because we th this is all that's here in the Bronx. So if apartments, new apartments are coming in, we got to be able to get folks into those things as well too, you know, and not just kind of push them out. So there's a lot of legislation and things that have to be put in place, man. Listen, once they they um they did 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 away with the rent control in New York City, these landlords just went crazy. And and it's just ridiculous because that, that's during when we, when we was growing up there was a rent control bill and and saying they didn't the rent wasn't as crazy as it is now where you're paying over two thousand dollars for probably a a one a one room shack. Exactly, man. And it's just so much, man. It's like the education, the education system here in the Bronx, man, is is like devastating. And again, it goes to what you experience, right? Not too long ago, I was looking for a high school for my for my oldest, bro. And I'm doing my research. I'm looking at, at all these different schools here in the Bronx. And I was I was devastated to see, you know, like some of the grades that schools were getting, man. And, and I was like, wow, this, this is a lot of limited options for my son to go to a school here in the Bronx and stuff, man. And it shouldn't be like that, right? It should be a plethora of, of great schools to go to. And, but I'm looking at schools that have like a, a 30% graduation, a four-year graduation rate. That's unacceptable, bro. That's unacceptable. And, and, and you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's it's crazy. And it's and you know what? And, and it's come to me, I think the school system is, is completely failed compared to when we were going to school. Actually, I feel teachers when I was growing up actually cared more. And I'm not saying the teachers now don't care, but for me, I, I have some great teachers that, they were they were top of the line. They they bent over backwards for their students. Yeah, and, absolutely, bro. And absolutely. I don't know. I I don't know. How, I can't say. I don't know how the teachers are now. I I haven't. I don't have any kids of age that are that are in school. So mm -hmm. I don't really. I can't really say how the teachers are. But me, when I was growing up, I had some amazing teachers that they knew what hood they were teaching at, and yet they they provided some great great teachings. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you definitely had teachers back then that were like seasoned teachers. I remember back then, I didn't have a teacher that, that over 10 years and stuff. Like, we're talking about 10, 15, 20, 30 years teaching and stuff. That, I think, is kind of little, uh, a little bit more rare now. And so, I think, to me, that's what's the biggest challenge is that you don't have those folks that have, like, that investment in the craft and, and getting to know the kids and the community uh, there's a lot of pressure on these teachers especially these new teachers when it when when people are associating funding with tests and exam scores and so now these teachers feel like they have to teach to the exams instead of really getting to know these kids and understand you know what type of learners each one of them are and it, it's it's just it's a difficult system man and 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 then and then on top of it believe it or not it's actually one of the most you know unfortunately one of the most racist um education systems in the country as well too you know based off your like based off your zip code um depends on you know how much funding a school gets and shit like, like that that that, sh that should not be the case I, I, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure a, a school in the upper west side gets much more better funding than a school in the south bronx <laughs> yo bro there was an article in the newspaper. You guys can look it up at some point. There was an article that that uh, uh, um, a reporter did not a, not just on the schools. He did research on the PTAs of each of the schools, the parent teachers associations of each school. There was there were certain PTA schools that had an actual budget in the millions, in the millions. So. Through, through whatever they were doing to raise money for the PTA or donations or whatever they were doing, it was PTAs that had millions of dollars, bro. This, school, course, this get, school's not getting millions of dollars in funding, though. And there's not schools <laughs> getting millions of dollars in funding, bro. But you know where those schools, you know, the zip codes, of those PTAs was in and stuff, right? I, and I know. So I, I that, can imagine. And so that alone just gives you a reflection, man, of like, this, this shouldn't be. Like, there's just, just too much... Too much inequality when it comes to the education system and then you throw in the whole thing about charter schools now independent which you know i'm listen i'm i'm about education right and so a lot of times people come to me and say oh are you are you pro charter or are you part pro new york city doe and i told them i'm part whatever is the best education for my community that's what i'm about 
So I'm not about the divisiveness. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about picking sides. I'm about coming to the table. I want to be the type of politician that when I come to the table, I want the DOE on this side. I want the charter schools on this side. I want everybody on at the table and let's figure out what's the best way to educate our poor black and brown kids. Because there's no reason, Will, that on one block in my community could be a charter school um, getting all their kids are passing the state exam and two blocks down there's a DOE school that the kids, only 20% of the kids are passing or vice versa. Why? Well, these are the same kids in the same communities. Why, why, why is this such a stark difference in their education level? Let's sit down at the table. What are best practices? What are y'all doing? Okay, what are y'all doing? Let's put it all on the table. Let's figure out how we can educate our kids, man. Yeah, both both like both sides come to an agreement. Like, okay, what's working for you? Okay, maybe that might work for us. Okay, what's working for you? Okay, maybe that. So it, it's 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 uh, it's basically coming together and doing a, a, a I don't know what a brain trust or something, whatever you want to call them. You have to, yeah, like a think tank type of thing. Yeah, but, you, but it's it's really easier said than done, bro, because. You would be surprised how people act like they they have the you know top secret information that they don't want to pass on to the and i know that there's a, a level of uh competition for funding and all those other stuff i get it bro but at the end of the day yo it's about these kids education man let's sit down and figure this out because we all win when our kids are better educated we all do so why why not figure this out man? yeah yeah you're absolutely right and um we're going to take a quick break right quick. And then when we come back, we'll, we'll continue with some of these discussions. And again, I have uh, Leo, Leonardo Coelho on the show. And um, we're going to continue to talk when we come back. All right. All right. So we're back and um, I'm still talking with Leonardo Coelho uh, running for District 16 City Councilman in the Bronx. So um, let's switch it up. Let's lighten it up. Um, okay. So what do you t- tell me? We, we're in a fantasy football league together. So so everyone to know, to know this. And um, tell me what you're thinking about that new Rooney rule. Wow, man. I, I, you know, I've been kind of taking some time to really process it. My initial reaction was I was a little taken back. You know, I feel like. So we need to actually reward uh, white NFL owners with draft picks just for them to hire black people. Like <laughs> it, it, it kind of yeah, it blew my it mind. Threw, yeah, yeah, it kind of <laughs> threw me off a little bit. I was kind of like my initial, but I usually what I try to do, man, when I hear information like that and I feel myself having kind of a emotional reaction to it, I kind of like just stop processing it in my mind for a little while, try to really formulate my thoughts around it, um, and so. I'm still kind of up in a in a in, in a space by it, but but I want to give you the, the things that I'm reflecting on, right? So, you know, one of the things, Martin Luther King is one of the individuals that, you know, is like my hero, because what he did was he took the um, you know, the civil activities that he did, but he understood that the work that he was doing out there in the community eventually had to translate over into legislation, like laws had to be passed in order for the for this country to really start to understand, you know, the direction that it needed to go and stuff, right? And so, you know, he, you know, if you watch, like, for instance, the movie Selma, you'll see that, you know, he was always in communication with the president, like, yo, we need you to pass these laws, we need you to pass these laws. Um, And he, you know, made up, he sacrificed a lot in order to get those laws passed. um, Because he had an understanding where it was like, if I can't change people's hearts right now, at least if it's if it's a, a matter of, 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 of law, then in their in their minds will start to change. And then eventually as generations um, also come, but you know, you, you, you'll start to change your heart as well, too. Um, so I looked at it as like, okay, so does this Rooney Rule mean that, you know, okay, we reward them with a draft pick and they start hiring people that are of color and then it kind of is like, oh, well, the people of color are actually really smart and they're really capable. And, and then the, the wave will start to kind of happen, be- <clears throat> happen behind it. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, so looking, was, I'm, I'm looking at it as this, though. Side yeah, no, I'm, I look at it as this. Like, it's like, okay, so if I hire a lowly uh, secondary coach, he's like the assistant to the secondary coach, and he happens to be black, uh, what kind of, like, is he going to get 
What kind is it dependent on what position they hire the the, the minority? <laughs> yeah. Is the, the like, draft like, pick going like, to be higher? Yeah, that has to be definitely what <coughs> like is the, 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 the higher the position, does that mean the higher the draft pick? Like that all that stuff is, is definitely up in the air. But I'm really but I'm also kind of like leaning on the side of, you know, against it. Because to be honest with you, Will, like, me knowing, you know, me being a black man, you know, I, I consider myself Afro-Latino, you know, um, I don't know if I'm okay with getting a job on the merits that I just got it because the team was gonna get a draft pick from me. I don't know if I want that, you know? And so I I just I don't think I can come to terms with that. And so that that that's kind of leaning me in the direction of I don't think the the draft pick situation is a good. Is a yeah, good it's like you're gonna go thing. you're gonna go into the job thinking like, okay, are they just gonna hire me because they want this draft pick and then fire me like down the road? So yeah. I, I don't know how 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 is it gonna work? It's like, are you gonna hire them and then once you get the draft pick, oh, we don't necessarily need his position. Let's get rid of him. Well, how, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it just it just doesn't lend to it being something that uh, it would even feel worthwhile getting it, knowing that, oh, I'm just getting it because this team is getting a draft pick and stuff like that. That just didn't make any sense to me. Bro. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with the rule personally. I, that's just me. I feel, listen, interview people of color, give them the opportunity. They will show you that they can do the job. That's it. Why, why do you have to get compensation for hiring us? What I don't understand about this process was that but what I read was that it was certain actual NFL owners that proposed this um this proposition and stuff to the to the Rooney Rule, right? But in my mind, I'm like, why don't you just hire more blacks and yeah, be well, the example? Why, why, yeah, why do like, why you got to get rewarded? Why, <laughs> right, like if you guys wanted to, and right, I, I I actually I commend whatever owners that were, I commend them for even addressing it, right? So I'm sure some owners won't even address it. But the fact is, like, okay, so just be an example of it. Like, start hiring more blacks, and then when they see that you are kind of like developing some sort of pipeline of good talent, then that'll change the tide. People will be like, hold on, let's try to look over there and look for some other candidates as well too. But so I'm I'm, I'm kind of confused about the origins of of this adjustment to the Rooney Rule as well too. Yeah, hold on one second, all right? Sorry about that. The wife just kept calling, so I had to mm-hmm. answer that. So, all right. So the Rooney Rule. So again, I'm not feeling it. So we had we had discussed earlier about um, offline about you wanting to discuss the documentary, The Last Dance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, you know, I'm a I'm a diehard Knicks fan, so this documentary is just bringing back bad memories to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can relate. I can relate. I can relate a little bit. Um, yeah, no. So I have an interest. Let me put it out out front right now. Like, I'm a was a huge Scotty Pippen fan, bro. My mind being Scotty Pippen and stuff. But I recognize who Jordan was. You know, he was a man and stuff, right? But right now, I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I'm a huge LeBron James fan just because. I, um, I respect his game, and for more, I would say more because there's there's just a certain level that I respect of him off the court as well too, that kind of gra- makes me gravitate towards LeBron. All right, and so I've been in those LeBron James, Michael Jordan arguments, you know, for for years as well too, right? Um, but I but I I want to kind of put a perspective on this, right? Because I I'm making a commitment that I'm not going to engage in those arguments anymore. And I, and I want to, I want to explain why I will. I want to explain because I watched ESPN for like about the last month. Um, you know, they really kind of like, you know, they, they, they pumped it up. All right. I get it. They're about media and everything. But the thing that started to bother me now is that they're kind of taking something that was like part of our culture where we're kind of debating who's number ones and everything. And they're, they're kind of pushing it in a way where I don't think it's now being now it's something productive for our communities, right? And so, I, not to go on something too deep philosophically about you know society and stuff, but I do feel that, you know, that you gotta agree, right? Basketball <coughs> is, is is black and brown people's sport, right? That's our sport, 
right? Will you agree to that, right? Yeah, well, well that's, that's, that's that's what that's the league is. The, most of the league has what it's made up of. Right, but even even culturally, like there's no other real sport. Like we love football and everything, but basketball is is our sport, though, right? You know, basketball is our sport, and so basketball and and music, hip hop, whatever, those are the two things that I think our culture claims as ours and stuff, right? And but one of the things that I think that is challenging society-wise, especially for blacks up here in the Northeast, is that there's such a lack of when it comes to resources for generations up here that we to always be in line number one. If I'm not number one, I'm really not on something. And there is not number one. Call them crabs and yeah. I'm sorry, but you just you keep you kept breaking up during the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry, but I'll, I'll go back in and out. And so that so there's this like thing where the as a community we have this kind of crabs in the barrel type thing, right? And you've you've seen it for, for for a while, right? You know, growing up, it's like you had to choose between you either was a you either was a, a foxy foxy brown or you was a little king. You couldn't like both of them. You either you either roll with Nas or you roll with Jay Z. You couldn't really like both of them. Like you, you always had to pick a side, and then in the side you you, you kind of fought and argued but, to the death of who was number one. Yeah, but that, that's and, the that's our problem is because we don't we don't stand united. We we just exactly. we we rather be we rather be separate and like oh no you're you're this guy's fan or whatever it is or you're whatever. But it's like, dude, we're one. We're all one. We just should unite together and just make this paper, and that's it. That's that's it. That's that's the difference between all these other communities and ours is that they're sticking together and we're not. That's we're, what I'm saying, Will. Because what, here's what my issue is: you don't see you don't see ESPN doing features on could 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 Dave Roof um, hit a hundred hit home runs in today's era against the pitchers. Could Randy Johnson or whoever pitch back then? Like, you don't see them doing that with their heroes. You don't see that. You don't no. see that, bro. Like, you, you don't, you don't, they, 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 you know, everybody, all of their heroes, they, they push all of their heroes to the front and stuff, right? The front. You know, they, of course, everybody has their teams or whatever. <coughs> but as far as their heroes of their sports, you know, they put, they put everybody in the front. There's no picking and choosing. You know, like, right now, if you, if you have a, if you went out and said, if they said, oh, I think Montana was the greatest. And somebody says, oh, I think Brady's the greatest. Like, it wouldn't even be, like, much of an argument. It's like, oh, okay, okay. Like, okay, you got, you think, but for us, that joint is to the, almost to the death, bro. Like, it's like, <laughs> nah, you crazy. And it's just, a, a, it's just, it, it's nonstop and stuff. And the problem that I'm having is that ESPN is now stoking that fire. It kind of almost reminds me, bro. And we lived through it, right? And you was you from Brooklyn, bro, so you know. It kind of reminds me of that that whole Biggie and Pac joint where it started off with some beef, but then the media started to, you know, throw gasoline on the fire. Uh, make it bigger than what it was, yeah, of course. And they made it bigger than what it was because there was an economic behind it, right? Like, Vibe Magazine knew it, that if we put a picture up saying East Coast, West Coast beef. We're going to sell. That, that, that's yeah, gonna sell. That's gonna fly off. Of course, theaters. yes. And they kept and they kept stoking the fire, stoking the fire until guess who ended up dead? Not the not the magazine publishers. Not in there. Who who ended up dead? Parking big, yeah. Parking big. Our our heroes, right? Like our people and stuff, right? And so I'm like, nah. The way I feel like ESPN is now getting ESPN and, and some other hours are getting to a point where they get into that. I saw they they made a comparison of like. Jordan and um, LeBron after the um, like the last episode, and they had all these. Oh, we surveyed 600 people, and then they had all these categories. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I said, who's a better shooter or whatever? That's fine. But then there was a category that said, who's a better person off the court? LeBron was like at 23 percent. Jordan was at like at 77 percent. I was like, what does that mean? And, and you know what? And you know what? And you and you hear stories that Jordan is not the nicest person, whereas you have LeBron. Opening schools for for kids to better themselves to, for, for black black and brown people to get a better education, whereas you heard more stories of Jordan going to Atlantic City and gambling and going to Vegas and gambling than you did of. And I'm sure. And I'm sure. No, listen. I'm sure he did. He he's done his share yeah, of philanthropy work. I I'm yeah, sure he has. He has. I, I'm not gonna knock him. And what bothers me is that 
20 something. It's almost like you're putting a, a negative on the on the work that he's done in our communities, bro. Like you think you think those kids that he's putting through college and all saying they will look at it that he's only which 20, which which he's paying for which he's paying with his foundation is paying full fully that he's paying for the whole ride. Yeah, absolutely. You think they will look at it as like, oh, he's only twenty three percent effective off the court, or 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 twenty three percent better than Jordan off the court? Like, no, bro. Like th- those people look at it as like he's a hundred percent because he has done something for them that nobody has. So don't diminish what this man has done because you want to do comparisons with Jordan about every single aspect and stuff. I mean, it's almost ridiculous and stuff. So I just want to get to a point where. I get it. I've had the healthy debate about basketball and stuff, but I'm not going to let now people outside of our culture now prosper from, you know, that argument because we're not going to keep tearing our people down or each other's or our heroes down for the other person to make a profit out of it. I'm not doing that no more. And I, and I commend you for that because it's, it's, it's rampant in our, in our community. I'm saying you, you rather have, again, it, it stems, it stems from like, even, even whereas, People would rather go. I'm sure people, as soon as they they were able to go out and shop, went and bought those new Jordans. Like <laughs> I'm saying, you took your twelve hundred dollars stimulus and bought yourself some new fucking Jordans. Really, you really needed those Jordans. I, I don't I don't understand. Instead of probably taking some of that money and and putting it in a, a course or something, or or even investing on something or whatever, put it away in in, in savings account. I don't care something, but don't go and spend it on stupid stuff. And and that's and that's our and that's our responsibility <coughs> at the end of the day, right? This is our community, and so if somebody's doing that in our community, it's our fault that we're not educating them. It's our it's our fault, bro. It really is. Like I, I'm I'm to the point where I'm not even holding people that much accountable because at the end of the day, you know they're they're actually victims of of a system that's been in place for years meant to keep people uneducated. And, and and making dumb decisions like that and stuff. So that's our responsibility now to educate folks to not do things like that. You know what I mean? That's how I want to approach it. But and and listen and and I do that on the side. I, my side, I I do my little life insurance and all these other things. And um and that's one of the things I tell people is like, yo, why don't you have life life insurance? And they're like, oh, why I don't need it. But then when something happens, you see all these people with GoFundMe pages and all these other things instead of really learning about protecting yourself and your family and, and learning how to invest and all these other things, which is something that I feel that should be taught in schools rather than um, some history that doesn't necessarily pertain to us. And, and, and well, actually it doesn't shine a real light, bright light on us. So we should focus more on, listen, teaching people how to balance their checkbooks. And those those are things that we used to we used to have. We used to have home ec classes and, and wood shop classes and, and all these other classes that we no longer have. Mm-hmm. So no, I agree with you. There's a lot of there's a lot of learning that needs to happen in our communities. Mm-hmm. I I'm not the one that I think I, that all that should be put on the school system at the end of the day, right? I think I think there's there's space for other people to do oh, that, right? Listen, like, parents, like parents need to step up the game too. Uh, yeah. you know I'm saying, yeah, but I feel, I feel like there's, there's, there's great after-school programs that can come in and, and support with that. There's great community-based or- organizations that can come in and support with that. Like, that's the one thing too that we have to make sure that people start to look at our communities. Like, we're all responsible for the education of our community. All of us are. B. If you look at the other communities that are not, you know, in in urban areas. Everybody takes, you know, some sort of responsibility for their part and stuff, you know, and so it's important that we got to get to a point where the local business, the, the local business owner that's, that, that has a business right next to a school is invested in the, you know, the, 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 the outcome of that school because he needs to see it as like, I need those people to prosper because those are my future customers. And, and, and if they bring up my community, then that helps me business wise and stuff. So. We need everyone on every level to just be um, invested in the education of our community on all levels, man, adults, man. children, everything. Bro. And I completely agree with you. You're absolutely right on that. Oh man, so it's it's <laughs> I don't I just it's, it still blows my mind with some of these things that are just even with some of the things that are going on with 
the shooting in Georgia, then the shooting in um where was it Tennessee where the young lady was shot. Mm-hmm. It, it's just you just look at it and just like damn we're in 2020 and we're still going through the same nonsense, and and it's and it, and again it starts like you said locally. You need to see who your local politician is, who your local representative is. And, and 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 reach out to them get a con- communicate with them find out what's going on in your community same find out if there's if there's um things you can do help to help out whatever donate your time and i know right now it's not the time we can't do that but when when we get to some type of normalcy i think people need to really start focusing more in their communities absolutely man and you know a lot of people don't understand like all those all those judges and those those prosecutors and all those are elected officials, you know? And so if they mess up, you got to be able to have a, a voting block of strong community people that say, Hey, we didn't like how that, how that happened. We're we going to get you up out of here and stuff. And there has to be people that's ready to step in and take on those responsibilities as well. And, and I'm, and I'm glad that you're one of those because we need pe- more people like you. And um, hopefully we, we, we will get more people to run like you. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I always tell people that, you know, um, this change that's needed is not going to happen with one election. You know, even if you if you go back to, you know, somebody like Obama, like it, it doesn't happen in one election. Right. Right. We need to be able to start to get generations of elected officials in there that truly understand what the communities in our country need. Yeah, cause and you- then that's when you'll start seeing the shift going in the right direction listen i'm sure you still got representatives senators and congressmen that's been there for 30 40 years mm-hmm. and and they and they still haven't changed their mindset they're still in that in that 1960 1970 mindset whereas we're in 2020 now so i'm feeling like we need more people young people to step up and and, and start getting some of these older 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 people out of that office because their train of thought is not helping our helping our cause whatsoever it's not and and but the sad thing is that they're leaning on the fact that we don't come out and vote right we low ver, low voter turnout helps you know incumbents and people to stay in power because the people that are coming in to try to challenge them if they don't have the support that those people in power already have to, to take over a, a political position they're just going to continue to be there um, you know, for as long as they need to. And then and, and then they also then just when it's time for them to leave, they just kind of usher in who they who they want to take over their place. And then the whole thing just kind of continues. Oh, yeah, the cycle kind of continues. They, they definitely have that little um that little lackey that that's like, OK, yeah, he's going to take once I'm retired, he's going to take over. And, and it's just it's just a system that we need to break. And hopefully we can find more people like you to step up. And, and do what's right for their community. Mm-hmm. You know, June, June 23rd is going to be a very <clears throat> landmark election. The fact that everyone that's a registered voter is going to hopefully get a ballot in the mail is huge because that means that there's going to be a large block of people that probably never really voted, but since they got it in the mail, they're going to go ahead and exercise that vote. Um, so we'll, it, that's really going to determine, you know, uh, how involved people are really, really willing to be in this political system because there's no excuse at that point, Will. The jo- the, the, oh yeah, it's it's, it's 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 at your house now, so you can't you have no reason not to vote. <laughs> I'm saying it. They bought it to your house, so you should fill it out and send it back in and vote definitely. Mm-hmm. And you know what else, Will? People don't understand that even voting period is important. Like. Some people feel like, oh, I like that candidate, but he's not really going to win, so I'm not going to vote. What people, folks don't understand is that when decisions are made, a lot of times politicians and elected officials, they look at an area and they try to see how many votes came out of that area. And so, and when, when they see that a, an area has a high voter turnout, those areas tend to get more attention from elected officials because they say, hey, you know, these, these guys, I got to court their vote and stuff. But when a lot of, of our communities are not even going out voting, when there's an issue that comes up and everybody's screaming like, oh, why are the elected officials coming out? You know why they're not coming out? Because you're not voting and you're not making it seem like your area 
is a strong voting block. So they don't. Why so they, why so why are they going to waste voting? their time? They feel like why am I going to waste my time somewhere people are not voting? Exactly. I'm not. I'm not. They're not going to come out and vote for me. So why am I going to waste my time and spend time with them? And and exactly. and I and that's it's, it's wrong on their part. But people need to step up and and go out and vote. And 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 if you want change, then you need to make change happen. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely, bro. Hold on one second. All right, sorry about that once again. All right, so where were we? We were discussing people staying home and not going out to and not showing up, going out to vote. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, no, no, no excuse this year, man. No excuse. June twenty third, get in the mail, get it done, and you could and you could do it early because here in the state of New York, um. We got like a ten day early voting window that you can take advantage of. Too. Oh, that's that's good. So they already started sending them the ballots out then. Yeah, like in the next couple of days, they're gonna start sending them to every 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 person that's a registered voter. They're gonna mail them to. Okay, that's that's good. That's good to hear about that. But listen, all what people need to do is just get out and vote. Send out your vote, and you have no excuses. Being delivered to your house. So there should be no reason that you don't send out your vote, even though people are upset that they have they like, oh, I can't go out and vote. I have to mail in my vote. No, I think I I, I don't know. There's still, you can still go to your polling site, but you're gonna have to deal with all the social distancing, the six feet away, and they're probably gonna take a longer. And they and you know a lot of senior citizens um, see are larger voting blocks, so that's why they're trying to encourage a lot of them to stay home and just do it by ballot. All right, so um, before we uh, check out, um, I'm going to let Leonardo just give you all his information and um, definitely reach out to him. So, um, Leo, go ahead. Um, Thanks, Will. So, folks, you know, you guys could check out my website. It's um, VoteCoello, C-O-E-L-L-O, the number 4BX.org. So that's VoteCoello4BX.org. I'm on IG, Leonardo underscore Coelho for BX, Facebook, Leonardo Coelho for City Council, Twitter at El Coelho for BX. And, you know, I'm exactly about 13 months away from the election. The election is June 23rd, 2021. And so, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on, Will, you know, getting you know my message out. Um, I wish you the best of luck for the podcast. And, um, you know, it would be an honor to return at some point to give you an update of how the campaign is going. Brother, you know, you're welcome anytime, man. You know, I appreciate you coming on the show, you know what I'm saying, and doing it with me. I, I greatly appreciate the feedback that you've been giving me. You, We've texted back and forth, and you've like, yo, do this, do this. And, and I appreciate yeah. it, man. you you really helping me. And actually, you kind of inspired me to do this with doing what you're doing. Cause I know you're stepped out, you're stepping out of your comfort zone doing, yeah. doing, doing the yeah. politics. So I figured, listen... I can step out of my comfort zone and do this podcast, and and if I can inspire anyone else to do whatever it is that they want to do, then I'm gonna continue to do this, and and I just want I just want people to just prosper and do well, man. And I definitely see big things for you. Um, saying I'm 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 behind you 100%. You need me for anything, you know, you can call me. I'm down, whatever, man. Cause you my Terradome brother, and we 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 rock together, bro. No, I appreciate it, Will, man, and and I love to hear that, man. And, and I tell people all the time, man, if you just inspire one person in your lifetime, it, it's all worth it, bro. You know, and if we all did that and we just inspired one person, you know, our, our communities and our people would be a, a lot better off. So continue to do that good work, man. Listen, man, you continue to do that work and definitely, definitely going to have you on again, maybe hopefully before football season starts and we can talk some fantasy football or whatever we're going to talk. And, um, but I appreciate you, brother. Love you, man. Um, be safe out there because I know, you, again, you're in the South Bronx. Oh, oh I, I didn't even get your, your take on that dumbass who dropped the fucking um, the, the, the cereal and the milk in the subway cart. <laughs> Oh man, that that dude is just, you know, you know that that's like the ultimate. People will do anything for for the lights, right? Um, and it's just ridiculous, you know. I, I I don't even have words for that dude. I I don't even think we should even. Waste yeah, time. yeah, I should, I should, I just, yeah, I wasted <laughs> some energy on that dude, but it just just blew my mind that a moron would do such a thing. Yep, but again, yep. brother, I appreciate you being on. 
Um, you be safe out there. And um, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man, just Coelho in 2021, that's for sure. Thank you, brother. Be safe. You know, um, tell the wife I said hello and family. Love you guys. Be safe out there too, all right? All right, man. Peace, brother. Peace, bro. All right, so that was Leonardo Coelho on the podcast. Um, I appreciate him being on again. But um, that's it for me today. Hopefully, I'll be back in a couple of days. I don't know if I'm going to have a guest or not. I'll see. I think Friday I'll be doing the um, Freestyle Friday with uh, Poppy J. So if y'all want to check us out on YouTube. But um, Wise is out. And um, peace out. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn. Find us on social media on Twitter at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. Instagram at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. And a Facebook fan page, www.facebook slash Wise 76. Check back soon for new episodes. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.